Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer America. Other people are my friends. I'm just trying to save you some money. My job is not just to teach, but to educate and to entertain. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. What comes after this horrific moment where nothing works and we are solidly in bear market territory in the indices? <laughs> Dow plunging 876 points today. Still holding up a little bit better than the S&P, which plumbed at 3.88%. And the NASDAQ, which nosedived almost 4.68%. Simple. Sooner or later, something does work. Because like I tell you every night, there is always a bull market somewhere. We just have to find it. But always doesn't mean every single day. Today, there was truly no bull to be found. With every sector hitting the skids, including the oil stocks, even as crude, the commodity opened down and then reversed to finish higher. Bye, bye, bye. However, it's highly unlikely that the market will stay this negative. Not because things are good. They definitely aren't. Rate shot up so fast today that it was breathtaking. That's terrible. But it will bottom because we will get oversold and because stocks actually get cheaper. The S&P is getting cheaper. And there are plenty of stocks that start looking attractive on day two of a huge sell-off. Look, that's just history, okay? That's just history. I mean, it doesn't feel that way now, but it's the way things have been unless the world's coming apart, and I don't see that happening. I see lots of pressure, but no world coming apart. I think, although, I think definitely, though, a lot of people feel lost here. You may feel lost, which is a natural feeling if you still own the kind of stocks that were working in 2020 and 2021, rather than pivoting to companies that make things and do stuff at a profit, then return those profits to shareholders, all while having a stock that trades at a reasonable price. Those are the stocks that you can sit in. Uh, As for the others, anything that doesn't pass the make stuff, do stuff test is questionable at best. I'm willing to make an exception for a couple of growth stocks that get beaten down at ridiculously cheap levels on a price-to-earnings basis. Not sales, but earnings. But there aren't that many of those. It's true that this is a rare market with increasingly bad breath, very few winners, which means it's unlikely to bottom on a dime. But there are still stocks that work. They just don't tend to be in the NASDAQ, 
which is now down 33% from its high point, the lowest level since September of 2020, before we found out the COVID vaccine cavalry was on the way. Today, there are only 179 advancing issues in the New York Stock Exchange. That's the lowest since June 11, 2020, when we had just 92 advancing issues. That was when we got the first COVID resurgence, a day where the Dow lost 1,861 points for a 6.9% decline. On a day like today, it certainly feels like nothing can work. Only five stocks, the S&P 500 finished up five. Although that's because we're still trying to factor in that horrendously overheated consumer price index number from last Friday. Not enough selling was done. Maybe the market couldn't contain it. But the good news is everything is for sale, even if not everything should be on sale. Not everything is impacted by the troika of worries. Russia, Ukraine causing skyrocketing oil and food prices. China's economy in lockdown causing many tech sales to be lost or delayed. And, of course, ramp inflation, which may finally be peaking, less when everyone else is freaking out about it. And even if it's not peaking yet, it may well peak if the Fed raises interest rates decisively on Wednesday. That's increasingly likely. Moments like this are why I first came up with my Bristol-Myers theorem. As in, what do these negatives have to do with the price turnings multiple Bristol-Myers? The answer, not much, except for inflation, and that's going to be dealt with by the Fed. I still believe that. So even though it goes against every instinct, when the market craters like this, you should be thinking not what to sell, but what to buy. Now, we've been high-grading the charitable trust portfolio for weeks, buying recession-resistant stocks, and we went back to the well today. We're going to do it again tomorrow. The Dow's filled with interesting stocks, which is why they held up better than the S&P and much better than Nasdaq. I'm looking at those. Hey, speaking of going back to the well, I like the wells. I think there's a place for oil in your portfolio as long as the stock in the question gives you an especially high yield, like Devon or Pioneer. These can be bought, too, because even after interest rates shoot up the, the dividends, the yield from those two stocks are well above treasuries. But why bother to try to pick winners at all? Why not just sell everything and buy them back at a lower level? I've been telling you that because we have an event this Wednesday that will tell us if the Fed's truly serious about fighting inflation. Going to this meeting, Fed Chief Jay Powell has talked endlessly about 50 basis point rate hikes. I have said endlessly that that's not enough. We need 100 basis point rate hike. After the CPI number we got Friday, 50 basis points ain't going to cut it. But the Fed's boxed in because of Powell's comments. If they do a 100 basis point rate hike, they'll look like they're panicking. They can do 75 as a compromise, but that's like, that's like bidding against yourself, as they never even indicated that 100 was in play. How can Powell thread the needle? I think he'd do this. I'm offering him an opportunity here. He could do the promised 50 basis point rate hike, but double the number of long-term bonds the Fed is selling, which would give the yield curve, the Treasury yield curve, some inflection and help drain the giant wave of liquidity that's still in the system. The fact that the two-year Treasury is at nearly 3.4%, slightly higher yield than the 30-year, tells you that one of those two is wrong. I think the 30-year is too low because too many investors are dumping stocks and swapping into these bonds for safety. You should be doing short rates, not longer. But here's where things get tricky. If Powell gives us 50 basis point hike, rate hike, and doesn't double the amount of bonds he's selling, say looking for $200 billion, which is what I want, then he'll look weak and our stock market will go even lower. If he hikes by more than the promised 50 basis points, people will panic. They'll say there must be something wrong out there, maybe something in crypto world. If he goes with my plan, a 50 basis point hike and a doubling of the Fed's bond sales, because he doesn't want to go with my 100 plan, obviously, I think Wall Street would welcome this tougher approach. Now, here's the tricky part. The alternatives are tough to fathom, but fathom we must. I know that I'm itching to buy more of these super high yielders from the oil patch from my charitable trust. The current corrections in the oil is a good opportunity. 
Oh, you could buy some of the drug stocks, but if the Fed doesn't take aggressive action, enough aggressive action on Wednesday, the bears will say their dividends simply aren't enough in a world of high inflation and rapidly rising bond yields, and the stocks will go down. Swelling dollar also hurts the food and drug stocks because they tend to have big foreign ex- exchange exposure. As I said earlier, many people are lost because they went all in speculation. Some bet on incredibly expensive tech stocks, the ones that traded at high prices sales multiples. Forget earnings. These people might be blown out forever especially if they bought those stocks with borrowed money. Some bet on cryptocurrency. After listening to the sirens, who said Bitcoin was a good hedge against inflation. <laughs> that didn't happen. They're hoping to be bailed out by the usual noisy Bitcoin rainmakers that will be squawking all day tomorrow. But after meeting with tons of Silicon Valley executives last week, nearly all of them told me that crypto is a con and NFTs are as worthless as tulips. More on that later. If you ask me what's most daunting here, is that we've got so many younger investors who've never seen a market like this one, including many of the 22 million people with Robinhood accounts. See that stock? Lots of people who trade through Robinhood buy call options. Those are turbocharged bets as some stocks will go higher. So I bet many of those call buyers are already wiped out. Lots of people want Bitcoin, maybe a lot on margin. They're most likely obliterated. But the bottom line, if you took your cue from me, and bought common stocks of companies that make real things and do real things that return capital and trade at a reasonable valuation, you're relatively fine. This is not the time to make a lot of money. It's the time not to lose a lot of money until better times occur. Problem is, those stocks go down less. The ones that work or the ones that are stable, they're really boring. Of course, in a market like this, where everyone, everything's excited, everything that's interesting and exciting has been eviscerated, well, there's nothing better than boring. Bob in Connecticut. Bob. Hey, Jim. Bob. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a long-term daily listener from the days of Cudlow and Crown. Okay. I'm 75 years old, living right. off dividends, 70% in Apple and Microsoft, but I'm well diversified. Okay. What, sh- what should I be thinking to prepare for this economic hurricane of companies cut? Years ahead, and even if they can't, I, I, what do I do? Jack and Marilyn, Jack. No. What? I, I'm looking at. Okay, Jack. We'll go back to Jack and Marilyn. Jack and Marilyn, Jack. Jimmy Chill, how's it going, man? Ah, long day, you know what I mean? I definitely know what you mean. Yeah, I might need to crack a beer after that one. <laughs> yeah, it's, you got that um, right. Yeah, man. Um, so my question here is, uh, so I'm looking to diversify a bit um, and really interested in Disney uh, at these levels. You know, top-notch brands and offerings like Marvel, Hulu, Disney+, Plus, Pixar, Disney Parks. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on Disney shares here? All right, well, look, uh, you know, I like Disney for my travel trust. I've been dead wrong, okay, just dead wrong. I've been looking at it as a franchise. I've been looking at it as being a company that is worth a lot more than its stock. Right now, the long knives seem to be out for the CEO. I think he's done a great job at the theme parks. Right now, people have decided that this balance sheet is, is really awful, so there's no hope for the company. Right now, I look at it and say, you know what? At $90, my travel trust has to buy more. It's just too inexpensive as a company, not on earnings. And they obliterated the darn balance sheet when they bought that stupid fox. But they can't seem to take the right down. I say at 90 bucks and change, it's a buy, not a sell. But I have been wrong, and I have to accentuate that. Now, in a market like this one, where everything exciting has been destroyed, obliterated, laid to waste, 
there's nothing better than boring. Remember, it's not the time to make a lot of money. It's just the time not to lose a lot of money. Very hard to make money. On Mad Money Tonight, my chip out to San Francisco offered a stark warning on the state of cryptocurrencies. I'm sharing the red flag and breaking down what I learned. Then trying to figure out why this market is such a buzzkill? I'm using one Spears company as a case study to understand the difficulty of this tape. And Humana helps protect millions of people across the country. But can the stock help protect your portfolio amid a challenging landscape? I'm checking in with the CEO. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones, from powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY, a big idea that inspired the world to invest differently and still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. Cryptocurrencies are just a con. Hey, that's not me talking. That's all I heard from executives in Silicon Valley. I don't mean to be too inflammatory, but that was one of my universal takeaways from last week's trip to one market in San Francisco. They simply don't trust crypto out there. They laughed outright at NFTs or non-fungible tokens. Not one person I met believes that they're worth anything. Now, this is one of the 15 observations I had after a week in San Francisco. Observations that are available to all CMBC Investing Club members that I sent out last night. All I can say is that I hope my memo didn't play a role in crypto's collapse today, a total implosion. But these things have been collapsing for a while now. I say this as someone who once owned a lot of Bitcoin and then Ethereum, although I've been vocal about selling nearly all of it. I used the gains to buy that farm in Bucks County I've told you about many times. I was fortunate enough when my assistant called my crypto banker this morning and was able to sell my Ethereum. And I expect the cash tomorrow at 9 a.m. It was all the house's money, including a hefty interest gain. And I was willing to risk it. But obviously, I would have been in much better shape if I dumped the remainder of my position a few months ago. Now I'm happy to get anything. Half a loaf is better than none. Which brings me to what's really happening right now. There's crypto pseudo bank named Celsius Networks that halted withdrawals last night, which led to panic 
throughout the shady crypto ecosystem. We don't know where the money is, but we do know many of these new financial companies were paying unsustainably high dividends, apparently as much as 17% for this outfit in particular. Crypto evangelists always pride themselves on how these crypto banks are free from burdensome government regulators. Before going into the mumbo-jumbo about the blockchain, which, by the way, protects you against nothing, and certainly won't help me get my money wired to me by the institution I'm using tomorrow morning as they promised, and I will fill you in if that doesn't happen. What occurred today is what happens when the, there is no government regulation. And that's what everybody in the crypto world wanted. They got it. I think the regulators were way too lax about this whole group of crypto shadow banks. They should have cracked down on this cohort a while ago. But the industry fought them every step of the way. So what happens is we have to guess which of the crypto banks will freeze assets next, what their balance sheets really look like. We have to wonder whether there will be runs on every shadow crypto bank. We have no idea about what's going on. We don't know how the big public repositories of crypto are doing. And here I'm thinking of exchanges like Coinbase. Although I'd add that the world's largest crypto exchange, Binance, paused withdrawals for several hours today because of what they said was the stock transaction, whatever that means. I don't want to cause a run on these companies, and I can't. But I need to reiterate that I didn't meet anyone in Silicon Valley who owned crypto. I met a lot of executives, and these are very wealthy people for the most part, who said it was worthless and disparaged it every single meeting I took. And I took a lot of meetings. Again, this NFT thing, they just say, Jim, it's a hoax. It's just a hoax. Just pass it on. Now, this would all be, this uh, worry about Bitcoin would all be very, especially bad news for an alpha called MicroStrategy. That's a software company that borrowed hundreds of millions to buy Bitcoin as an investment of shareholder money. If Bitcoin breaks down below 21,000, MicroStrategy will have to put up more money. Uh, Now, there's a little bit of room there, but that's what will happen. When SEC Chief Gary Gensler came on the show to talk about the perils of buying anything from a crypto bank that's paying well above the average interest rates, I wish he'd been more vocal about how dangerous it is to pay those levels of interest, because it usually means someone's borrowing money against their Bitcoin. It's so dangerous, but the rates were so enticing for many people to ignore, uh, especially younger people. They just thought it was just a, a constant, easy way to make money. Now, we know that crypto represented a little more than 25 percent of Robinhood's transaction-based revenue in the most recent quarter. It's in their financials. Who knows what these people do? I don't know. All I can say is that the people who love Bitcoin will be out in full force tomorrow, and they're going to give you another chance to take something off the table. They will be screaming and yelling that this is the greatest buying opportunity ever, and don't forget blockchain. Now, we don't know whether we have a Gresham's Law situation, where the bad crypto banks drive out the good, like Silvergate, which has one of the more legitimate crypto-focused lending operations. But after hearing so many tech executives tell me that crypto's a con last week, and then seeing Bitcoin down nearly 15% today, I think this one goes the way of nearly every other speculative asset. After the bubble bursts, there's no putting it back together again. Bad Money is back after the break. Coming up, sometimes the answers are at the bottom of a bottle. A case study of this beverage stock reveals why the market is so darn tough. Next. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching 
searching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. After another awful day, you don't need me to tell you that this is a very tough market. But it's worth thinking about why it's so tough. I'm not just talking about the big picture stuff, inflation, war in Ukraine, lockdown in China, collapse of Bitcoin. I'm talking about the day-to-day process of picking stocks. Let me give you an example. This morning, Coca-Cola announced that they're partnering up with Brown Foreman. That's the liquor company best known for Jack Daniels. With their own canned Jack and Coke cocktails, they look just like regular cans of Coke. The plan is launched in Mexico later this year, where the drinking age is 18, by the way, and then expanded to the rest of the world. I had a chance to speak with James Quincy, the CEO of Coca-Cola, this morning. And in any normal market, I'd be pretty excited about the new product. Can Jack and Coke might not move the needle that much for Coca-Cola, but you got to assume it'd be a big deal for, right, for Brown Foreman. Brown Foreman's going to be a winner here, right? And at any other time, I'd be telling you to buy the stock of Brown Foreman hand over fist on this news. However, when you go through the checklist of what's safe to own in this difficult environment, Brown Foreman fails the final test. Sure enough, while Coke managed to defy the gravitational pull of the averages today, down just a couple of cents, Brown Foreman was actually down more than 3% on what should have been an extremely positive catalyst day, by the way, which was well hidden. People didn't know. So what went wrong? Why can't Brown Foreman get any love? Well, it's not that it's a bad company, for heaven's sake. Brown Form is a fantastic company. They own tons of terrific liquor brands, not just Jack Daniels, but also Woodward, Woodford Reserve. That's very popular. Old Forrester Bourbon, Ben Riach Scotch, Finlandia Vodka, Forged Gin. Remember my mantra. You want to circle the wagons around real companies that sell real products, turn a real profit, and return some of those profits to shareholders via dividend or buyback. Brown Foreman absolutely fits the bill. In a typical recession, even without the can Jack and Coke Callus, buying this stock would be a no-brainer. It's a textbook defensive name, the kind of business that does just fine. Even the Federal Reserve slams the brakes in the economy. Maybe they go 75 basis points. Maybe they go 100. People talking 75. But it, it could send us a recession. It shouldn't infect the stock. It should not affect the stock of Brown Foreman. Alcohol is more or less recession-proof because people don't stop drinking when times are bad. If anything, they, we have status says they drink more. Plus, these guys have been huge beneficiaries of the great reopening. Last week, CEO Lawson Whiting came on Power Lunch and told Kelly Evans the business is booming. Their brands are huge in bars and restaurants, and that business is now on fire because people are going out again. When you look at the numbers, Brown Foreman's doing incredibly well right now. The last two quarters were phenomenal. Last week, they posted a five-cent earnings beat off 26-cent basis. Yes, with much higher than expected sales, up 23% year over year. Yes, even better management gave you a strong outlook for the rest of the year. They're even talking about gross margin expansion because Europe has finally removed the tariff on American whiskey. There's nothing wrong here. How about the individual brands? Jack Daniels up 15% in spite of some supply disruptions. Their premium bourbons like Woodford Reserve up 17%. Higher volumes across the board. Tequila is red hot up 22%, led by Herradura and El Himidor, two great brands. While Brown Foreman's American business was solid, it's the rest of the world where they're really taking share and taking names, particularly in the emerging market countries. Also, lots of sales from duty-free stores and airports people are traveling in. So the fundamentals are good. Management's good. they got a tremendous track record. What's not to like here? Brands are popular. Terrific new cattles with the Coca-Cola partnership. Obvious winner? Uh, not so fast. Brown Foreman's stock has been not that great. While it hasn't been obliterated, 
It's been trending steadily lower over the past year, like many other stocks. Normally, when we see this kind of dislocation where the company's doing well, but the stock's faltering, I treat it as a buying opportunity, but not in this market. This market doesn't allow you to do that. Why? Because not that long ago, we added a new criteria to our mantra of what works in this environment. This was part of the investing club. You would know that if you belong. Does the stock trade at a reasonable valuation? This market has no patience for expensive stocks. There are all kinds of high-quality companies with incredibly cheap stocks here. Nobody wants to stick their neck out for something pricey, even if the underlying story is a good one. In Brown Foreman's case, you can't call the stock cheap. These guys are expected to earn just under $2 per share this year, which means the stock's currently valued at 34 times earnings. In a normal market, you can justify that kind of valuation because it's got a good growth rate. But this is not a normal market. This is a bad market. After today's hideous decline, the average stock in the S&P 500 now sells for just 16.5 times earnings. In other words, the stock of Brown Foreman is more than twice as expensive as the overall market. Not great. Again, great company, recession-proof business, exciting catalyst. But it's impossible for me to recommend the stock here with that elevated price earnings multiple. Doesn't mean that it is that it is the cheap that this is the cheapest Brown Foreman's been in years. We're playing by a new set of rules because so few stocks work in this environment. If you really want to play on these new cans of Jack and Coke, I actually will recommend Coca-Cola. This is a textbook recession stock. People will keep drinking their beverages regardless of what happens to the economy. And the restaurant business is finally coming back, too. Uh, I, by the way, James told me that there was a possibility that cheap canning could, could be uh, in surplus, which would mean that, yes, and I know aluminum prices have collapsed, so maybe their, their cans are going down. That would be very good for the gross margins. Plus, Coca-Cola rewards its shareholders with a 2.9% yield. While that's no, no longer better than the 10-year or the 2-year, for that matter, it still offers you some downside protection in a hostile market. Of course, I don't think these cans of Jack and Coke will be much of a needle mover for Coca-Cola because it's $265 billion coming. One product is almost never enough to move the needle, but it's a nice sweetener. More importantly, Coca-Cola is safe. While the S&P 500 is now down more than 20% for the year, Coke's still up roughly 4%. Of course, it was up even more in April before being dragged down by the market's recent collapse. And it's not that Coca-Cola has no problems. They're struggling with inflation like everybody else. There is a shortage of cans in France, a shortage of truck drivers in the U.S. Typical slowdown, I'd be pounding the table, screaming you need to buy Coke. In this environment where we also have rampant inflation, though, much harder to get excited about it. I still like the stock of Coca-Cola, and I think it's fine to buy. Although, if they can build out that capacity of cans, like Quincy said, it's going to be a much easier stock to buy, and I will recommend it hard. The bottom line, even you put us, even put aside these horrific days like today, this is a very tough market. It has incredibly high standards. Brown Foreman stock would normally be a no-brainer in a normal slowdown. But it's impossible for me to recommend here because it's got a relatively high price earnings multiple. Coca-Cola should be one of the biggest winners in a slowdown. Instead, its stock is just doing okay. This is a difficult moment. Remember, this is a moment not to try to make a lot of money, but not to lose a lot of money. Byron in Oregon. Byron. Hey, Jimmy Chill. Jimmy Chill. My yeah. to see you guys January 1st. Who that? Who All that? right. The Chill Man is uh, struggling like everybody else, but let's see what we can do. Okay. My question is, will inflation and interest rates damper the opportunity of Dutch Bros to expand from the West Coast? Well, they, that last quarter was not good. And it was disappointing to me. Uh, they'd done everything right, and then suddenly they hit a wall after they come public. So I'm not. Uh, they let's just say they need to be. Uh, they need to explain it better because I don't know what really happened. But I didn't like it. Let's go to Jared in Virginia. Jared, booyah! What is going on, Mr. Kramer? Well, market's headed lower, but we think it could be uh, you know an interesting opportunity for some stocks. What's going on with you? Oh, well, it's surreal to be talking to you, Jim. Certainly made my day. After oh, thank about. you. Thank you very much. 
Yeah, first time, long time, and I've been a fan of the show for years, so I appreciate everything that you do. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's very hard right now. That is. All right, so my stock is in the healthy foods arena, and look, they make money, but it's expensive. Down only 12% year-to-date. They recently acquired Quest Nutrition, and as someone allergic to gluten, hands down, Quest makes the best stuff. So here's my thought. According to an APA Stress in America test conducted in February of last year, the average American gained 29 pounds during the pandemic. Is that the catalyst needed for my stock? Jim, buy, sell, or hold, ticker symbol SMPL. Thank you. You know, that's a very fast grower that's only down 10%, uh, sells at 26 times earnings. I think that it can still go lower at 37, but if you got this, if you can get this at 30, 32. That's where I feel like that you would be able to do. You could start feeling um, like it's not as expensive versus the rest of the market, but it can't be bought here. Let's go to Ara in Ohio. Ara. Jim, this is Ara. I am calling about the restaurant space, which is one of my favorite sectors. And uh, I like the Peter Lynch principle of finding the next up and coming and uh, next up and comer. I'm really a big fan of First Watch. Doing really well in the current environment, yet it's expensive based on P.E. and peg ratio. What do you think about it short and long term? Which was the name of the stock? First watch. First watch. Again, you know, you said it. You said it yourself. It's too expensive. I mean, I just I I can't go there. Uh, It's very interesting. And in another market, it's a high growth stock. It would work. But we are watching the unwinding of crypto and the collapse of a lot of the high price earnings multiple stocks. <laughs> Especially the high price of sales stocks. So we're going to have to hold off. All right, this is one difficult moment. In a normal slowdown, Brown Foreman stock would be a no brainer after what happened this morning, but I can't recommend it because of its high price earnings vulnerable. And though I like Coca Cola, I can't be crazy about it right now. This is a tough market. We're trying not to make a lot of money so we don't lose a lot of money. Now, much more mad money ahead, including much with William Manor. With the health insurance company struggling along with the broader averages, I'm talking to the CEO. See if the recent dip could represent a buying opportunity. Then, doing homework is a critical part of any investment strategy, and it's especially important in times of market uncertainty. So tonight, I'm turning my homework on two names that previously had me slumped. And of course, er, stumped, I'm sorry. And of course, rapid fire, yes, the lighting round. Stay with Kramer. On hideous days like today, and boy, was it ever hideous, we need to key into what kinds of stocks they can still work in the face of multiple aggressive rate hugs from the Federal Reserve. We don't know how much they're going to do. Rate hugs that could possibly even send us to a full-blown recession. Many of the traditional slowdown stocks are struggling with rampant raw cost inflation, but there's at least one group I still believe in. It's the managed care providers. Yet, even in a recession, people do not stop paying their health insurance premiums. Although, i got to tell you, I'm going to ask because maybe I'm wrong. That's why for the past few months, my charitable trust has been building a position in Humana. look, they spent much of the year recovering from a high-profile stumble in January. They fixed it. When Humana reported its most recent quarter in late April, the results were excellent. Big increases in estimates. Stock's been holding pretty well. When I see it coming down with everything else on a day like today, it makes me want to pounce, not make me want to run. But don't take it from me. Let's check in with Bruce Broussard. He is the president and CEO of Humana to get a better read on his business. Mr. Broussard, welcome to the man money. Well, thank you for having me. All right. Well, first, I'm going to ask, are there any people who simply don't pay their health insurance when times get tough? There, there's a few, but not many. Right. Okay. Health, in, health insurance and health care is... You know, on top of people's top of the list to pay. Well, it's the thing that could, uh, I always tell people, if you don't have it, it's what could wipe you out. That's right. 
And people know that. Now, second, uh, there was a moment where you didn't seem like you didn't have the right uh, promotion but uh, for a medical advantage for the high end. But you've since fixed that. Yeah. And it's working, right? right? Yeah, Medicare Advantage uh, is, a, is really where we focus. And, right. and the end of last year, we stumbled. We didn't, our product wasn't as uh, where it should have been in value. And we actually announced a billion-dollar cost-cutting right. effort. And that is really going well. And we're reinvesting in the product. And so this year we'll do quite well as a result of that. Well, I hope you offer something that is easier to understand. Uh, I looked at yours. All my life I heard about the Humana Medical Advantage and hate to ever get to the point where you have to use it because you're a certain age. But I found these things really hard to understand, frankly. So I stuck with what I had before Um, for the hot for. Let's say for a, a, a higher-end customer, are you going to offer something that is easier on the Humana.com site for me to understand? Of course. Well, simplicity is really where we are oriented yeah. to, and our brand stands out as being simple. Uh, and this is a complicated area, and there yeah. are a lot of state need. by state too. Yes, state and in addition, how to use the healthcare system. So right. the coordination of care, which is really where we we really stand tall on, is the ability not only to help you with your plans, but also to navigate through the healthcare system. And for pharmacy, which you're yes. huge in, yes. and that's a great business. Yes, yes. The the pharmacy, along with Medicare Advantage and Part D, which is part of Medicare Advantage, is really a great opportunity for individuals to find an affordable plan. Right. But at the same time, because of the aging demographics and the continued use of uh, of Medicare Advantage, we see it as a wonderful business opportunity. Today. Okay. So tell me where we are with COVID. I mean, it seems like that. I don't want to say it got better fast because there's still so many people getting it, but uh, it, it seems like it, it's now almost a, a, a tailwind, not a headwind. Uh, it's, I would say it's, it's like the flu. It okay. comes and goes. Um, I wouldn't call it a tailwind. I would call it is nor- more normalized now. Okay. Now. Versus uh, say where I, well, did, I didn't think it was going to normalize as fast as right. it did. I mean, yes. look at China. They yes. clearly don't yeah. think that's it's normalizing. Yes, yes. But I, I, would, I would say it's a more uh, part of the population, and we can plan for that in a much more right. effective way. Right, so therefore way. it makes it you even more consistent is the way I look at it. That's correct. And then the last piece of the puzzle is that I was concerned about nursing shortage. Yeah. Is there any chance that as the economy slows down or more people, you know, we get the Fed raising rates, that you may have less of a staffing problem? Um, we do have a staffing problem in home health. We have the largest home health company. Uh, and that, that kindred, I mean, I think that's yeah. really good, but yeah. you, can you get the help? You we need? can get it. If, can. If we, we're getting it. It's still a challenge. And I, I consider the provider side of the, the equation, the shortage will continue to be the case. We saw a significant really? amount of individuals going out of the system. And in addition, we continue to see the demand rising as a result right. of all the needs of health care. But I think that's a great opportunity because it's also a barrier to entry. That's true, but where did they go? I mean, I ask everybody this. I mean, we're out in San Francisco last week, and everyone said, well, a lot of people aren't in the workforce anymore. Where did these people go? They're really good at what they do. A lot retired, to be honest with you. They retired. I mean, I think COVID really put a lot of pressure on providers, and they retired. Um, But the opportunity here is still the ability to use technology to really assist them, for them to practice at the top of their license. And in addition, it's a great opportunity for us as an organization to really lead and be a rec- be the the individuals that can that will come to us as a result of our value proposition. Oh, definitely, you definitely. And then the other thing that I like is that you're rolling out these senior-focused primary care clinics, which is right because of the baby boomers and where they are. 
that that's just something that it, the demand is there and you're meeting the demand. That's correct. And, and what we see is, in, especially in Medicare Advantage, is the integration of primary care, pharmacy, and home health to really provide a more proactive care model under a value-based payment model mm -hmm. is the way healthcare is going. Medicare Advantage is the most advanced in that, but our ability to do that under a brand that we actually announced today, CenterWell. Yeah, I thought CenterWell, there's some really terrific stuff in yeah. CenterWell. What I, I do have to tell you, though, it, it, it pays, plays to your advantage that the actual Medicare booklet is too hard. I mean, I spent hours reading it thinking I could figure it out on my own, yeah, you know? Yeah. No, we need yeah. someone like you to be able to say, okay, that, that's a good brand name. Yeah. They have a good product. Yeah. I can save money. And that's what we're looking for. Yeah. And yours is more simple yeah. than the rest of them. Well, I want, want to great. thank you. It's thank great you. that you came on the show. Bruce Bouchard is the president and CEO of Humana. My travel trust owns it. I've got to tell you, when you're looking for companies that will not be bruised by what's happening, Humana should be at the top of your list. We have money's back after the break. All right. Stick around. May I make a suggestion? I would stay with him. The lightning round is coming up next. It is time. It's time for the lightning round. On cameras, here, my And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? Time for the lightning round. Let's start with Chris and Oregon. Chris. Hey, Jim Kramer. I'm calling about Rivian Automotive. I know uh, Amazon has a flock of that stock. They own 20% of it. What impact will the downfall of that stock have on Amazon stock? And not much. Not much. More important is what, what we'll have on Ford stock. I think Ford stock's very cheap. they got to sell less than Rivian. That way they'll have enough money to be able to do their, their EV and be able to even increase, you know, a buy, start a buyback. Let's go to Peter in Texas. Peter. Hey, Jim. What do you think for a long-term investment in Freeport McMoran? Not the time to buy it. I think the commodity rally is over. Aluminum's rolling over. Copper's rolling over. That's part of what the Fed needs to happen. So you're right in, that, right in the crosshairs of the Fed. We don't want that. Let's go to Kenny in Maryland, please. Kenny. Yes. Hi, Jim. Kenny from Maryland. My right. stock has a, has a large customer base, including Berkshire Hathaway. The stock is Matterport MTTR. Right. Can you give me your opinion? Thank I know it's you. got the 3D camera stuff, but the stock loses money, and we're not recommending any stocks anymore, as we have been for weeks now, that are losing money. It's just too hard. Let's go to John in New Jersey. John. Yes, Jim. How you doing, John? Hi, how are you? Little Johnny from Hamilton, the Blueberry Capital. Gotcha. Love Hamilton. Remember, my dad used to make sales calls there with me. What's up? We're in full season right now. We can bring something to the bar at Sam McWell. Uh, a long time ago, you had the CEO of Barbaro, and they said they had a cure for cancer and a pill for the Delta, Amazon, BS1, BS2. Right. Um, I'm going to buy, sell, or hold that stock. Well, you know, we caught a great move in that. If you did it, if you watched uh, when Dr. Steiner was on, the stocks had a, had a big move. There's a lot of speculation about what can happen from here. But I got to tell you, we, we caught a big move. So how about we just leave it at that? Let's go to Michelle in California. Michelle. Hey, booyah from California, Jim Kramer. Booyah to you. I love your attitude. Hard to find on a day like today. Let's go to work. <laughs> really? Okay. A little, a little story we did. In 2016, just before the presidential election, you were asked if Trump got in the White House, 
what stock would do well and would you name one? And you named a stock that I didn't pull the trigger on and I've been kicking myself ever since. C-T-A-S, Cintas. What do you say now? Well, that was because I felt that the Trump administration was very pro-small business, which it was. I think this administration wants to be pro-business but doesn't know how. So I cannot be uh, behind Cintas at 31 times earnings. It was a great call because they were very pro-small business. And now I don't know what they're pro. Hey, Republican, Democrat, I just don't know. Uh, let's go to Angelo in New York. Angelo. Hello, Kramer. Hey. My, What's up? My question is about Haynes Brand. I noticed that the board's been buying back at shares. I, they give a small dividend. And it's all the way down on the charts. Yeah, I, I, Haynes Brand is, it's, look, it sells at five times earnings. It's got a 5% yield. I've got to do work on this. That seems too strange to me. I've got to find out why people are willing to let this stock be as low as it is. I'm glad you brought it to my attention. I promise I will come back on Haynes Brand because that makes no sense to me. Let's go to Sanjay in Georgia. Sanjay. Hey, Kiraimon. How are you? Uh, you know, long day, Sanjay. How are you doing? Good. I had a quick question on Zim, shipping and transportation, great dividends, China is opening up. What are your thoughts? Well, I think the problem is China is not opening up. And that's really been, I mean, today we had so much word about Ukraine suffering big losses. We had China going back under lockdown. I just think that Zim, which be a beneficiary of a lot of, the, of more commerce, is getting less commerce. So therefore, I don't want to recommend the stock. I know they yield like everybody else, but I got I I've got a lot of people in these stocks once before. They are trading vehicles. You got to get in and you got to get out. And I don't want to be in now. Phil in Washington, Phil. Hey Jim, greetings the West Coast. I'm How are you? mad about my money. Um, I'm mad about my money. All I right, uh, we have a lot of people are right now. I don't blame you. No, well, yeah. Well, I bought Borg Warner in the 50s. It's down near 35 now. Earnings are good, but uh, the ratings, maybe not. Okay, well, this is a great example of what I'm talking about. I'm so glad you brought it up. The fact is, is that Borg Warner, people think, will not make the estimates, which is why it doesn't look as cheap. It doesn't, it isn't as cheap as it looks. And so, therefore, I'm going to have to say, buy Ford. That would be a better buy. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. The moment I get back from San Francisco, the market rolls over. In anticipation of the Federal Reserve lowering the boom on us later this week, and of course also crypto. Although my view is the bigger the boom that the Fed puts us through, the better. Because that way you get inflation under control, and it is out of control. So as we get acclimated to this hideous market, I figure it would be a really good time to catch up on some homework. Whenever I get a question about a stock that I'm not really too familiar with, I always circle back, try to give you a more considered response than just say, hey, I like it. These days, given that so few stocks are working, I find these homework assignments refreshing because they're a great way to learn about news stories, something we're desperately in need of at the moment, even if most of them are too risky at this current trading day. And they are. So let's get back to it. Back on May 31st, Brent in Michigan asked about a tiny technology company called MyTech 
MyTech Systems, actually, and that's M-I-T-K for you, home gamers. Brent's call is a little more colorful than most. He gave us the whole story about how this company got on his radar screen. He used his phone to deposit his paycheck and then looked into the technology that makes things makes this possible. I love this kind of research. Turns out it, it, it is MyTech, which controls practically the entire market. Not only that, it's actually profitable, which is a must in this merciless environment. I didn't know this one, so I told Brent we'd take some time to verify his information come back to it. What exactly does MyTech do? All right, they sell a suite of software products for mobile image capture and identity verification. Brent was very much correct that this is a play on mobile check deposits. Their technology helps identify everything from passports, driver's licenses, yes, paychecks. And the check business remains their primary revenue source, accounting for 63% of sales last year. People are still using checks. Mike's got thousands of customers, including many banks and other document-related businesses, like DocuSign. While we couldn't confirm Brent's statistic that MyTech's got 98% market uh, share in the mobile deposit business, they're definitely the dominant player by far. However, there is a little twist here. MyTech developed its technology with a company called USAA, and they got into a fight over the patents. There was a lawsuit. Two parties initially settled in 2014. But a couple years ago, USAA went into a new strategy, uh, suing MyTech's customers for using their disputed mobile check deposit technology. Bad. So far, these guys have won more than $500 million from Wells Fargo and PNC. My text once again fighting them in court, and I have no idea how this will play out. This is mad money, not Judge Jimmy, which makes me sound like kind of a character from Better Call Saul. The point, though, is that there's legal risk here. MyTech obviously was a huge winner during the darkest days of the pandemic. While there's a secular decline in people using checks as a form of payment, that was more than offset by the rise of mobile banking. These guys were practically printing money in 2020 and 2021. Even better, unlike so many other COVID winners, MyTech didn't just sit on its laurels. They used that cash to make acquisitions so they'd have something more stable once the pandemic wound down. Specifically, MyTech's bought a couple of identity verification technology companies. Think biometrics, ID verification, geolocation. In short, They've diversified from a mobile check deposit play to selling a full suite of services to the banks with tech that helps them onboard new customers remotely while still complying with so-called Know Your Customer or KYC regulations. Last year, they used this new tech to roll out a check fraud protection service, a big business uh, considering check fraud costs the banks $15 billion a year. All right, how about these financials? Now, the last couple quarters were very good. Clean top and bottom line beats with strong revenue growth and healthy earnings. However, that hasn't been enough to prop up the stock. Financial technology, it's, it's got to be the most hated group out there. PayPal, Square, which is now Block, Affirm, Upstart, they've all been crushed. On top of that, in March, MyTech announced the acquisition of Huyu, the second identity verification deal. And, and when they reported in late April, we got a less than seller update on that transaction. Turns out the business is not yet proper, so it will push out the deadline for when MyTech's ID business starts making money. That's the last thing you want to hear in a market like this, which prizes earnings above all, if there are any. But on the other hand, my tech stock has now come down 35 percent, like so many others since that announcement. At these levels, it now sells for less than 10 times earnings, despite having a 20 percent growth rate, genuine profitability. On the one hand, I think these guys have made a ton of smart decisions. The business is good. On the other hand, there is that legal risk and the fact that the market despises all fintech. My view, if you like this story, you got my blessing to buy some buy tech down here for speculation. Just leave room to buy more into weakness because we have no idea when it will stop going down, just like we have no idea about the rest of the market, though. It's not worse or better. 
Next up, last Wednesday, Russell in Nevada called to ask about Sport Radar Group. That's SRAD. And I told him I'd circle back. Now, this is a company that feeds data about sporting events to sports leagues, betting operators, media companies. They've got some terrific contracts with the NBA, the NHL, the MLB, European Soccer, and also International Tennis Federation. Believe it or not, soccer and tennis are the most heavily bet on sports in the world. In addition to charging his clients subscription fees, they also get a small cut from some of the gambling businesses. We gotta talk numbers here. Sport radar is barely profitable on earnings per share basis. They made five cents a share last year. Although the earnings are on track to grow rapidly off that low base, more importantly, their earnings for interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization are substantial at this point, growing like a weed. Oh, and the company's been free cash flow positive since 2013. In short, this is a real business, even if it belongs to the class of IPOs that came public last year, a group that contains a ton of garbage. Just like my tech systems, the problem with Sport Radar is that it's totally out of style in the Wall Street fashion show. For the better part of the last year, investors have hated any kind of recent IPO, anything related to sports gambling, too much. And that's why this stock has fallen from $27 where it came public last year. Just $8 and change today. In general, I think the sports betting business is way too crowded. There are too many players chasing the same group of gamblers. But Sport Radar isn't a gambling service. It's more of a picks and shovels play that enables the whole industry. I like that. Kind of like an index company that has the foreign indices like MSCI. In other words, in, in, look, in another environment, I'd find this one really intriguing. However, we needed to, to deal with the market we have, not the market we want. And in the market we have, sport radar simply isn't good enough. This market has no patience for barely profitable companies. It's not willing to value stocks on their sales or even their EBITDA. So there's no way to call this one cheap here. You are fighting the tape if you try to buy sport radar here. And in this market, that's financial suicide. The bottom line, MyTech Systems and Sport Radar both belong to hated groups, but MyTech's genuinely cheap on earnings basis, which is why it's the only one I'm willing to bless for speculation in what we know is an extremely hostile and negative environment. I like to say there's always a market somewhere. Promise try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.